0: Cura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard
1: I'm very excited for today's show In the second half I'm talking to a couple of reps from Wellington Rape Crisis yes. about uh, their organization and ahead of their annual fundraising appeal So they'll be able to talk about um, what they do and what they're doing to raise money, including some events that we can keep an eye out for. And tell us about who you've got to talk to in the first half of the show.
2: Well, we have David Klein in the studio. He is a very busy chap, just coming back from uh, cruising the country for three months or so, um, all by bike, on a cargo bike, and more recently been helping organize the um, New Zealand Bicycle Film Festival starting today at Nataonga Film and Vision. Kia ora, David.
0: Kia ora, Perine. Hi,
2: Thank David.
0: Hi. Welcome hi to B
2: Side Stories. Thanks for having me. Always happy to. <laughs> um, so, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you've been doing the last mm. few months?
0: Sure. So, I have just completed a, a three and a half month cycle trip around New Zealand. It was called Tour de Science. And it was me biking from town to town talking about uh, or presenting a science storytelling show to community groups and it was awesome Uh, it's it's kind of a show about my life and education and things I learnt from a scientific point of view and it built on a whole bunch of ideas and then combines them together into hopefully a really interesting and uh, inspiring finale about where we fit in, uh, in the universe.
2: And I heard that it was very inspiring too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of nice feedback from people that, that came along. There were, there were good crowds all around the country. And I guess because it was such a personal show, people felt really comfortable to reflect that back to me and, and share their own experiences about things they knew or their own sort of journey through education.
2: And just when we were coming into the studio, Laura mentioned that she'd seen a previous version of the show.
1: That's right. That's right. Mm. Uh, b- somewhat, not completely by coincidence, because you're touring this show, you've been on the road for ages now, but um, yeah. Toward a Better Understanding of the Universe, which, uh, as you were explaining, <laughs> is like an earlier version of the tour science.
0: That's right. Yeah, that was at the New Zealand Fringe Festival in 2015. That was my first foray into a... Public performance, and uh, I guess something like the Fringe Festival is really open. If, if you have an idea for a show, you can make it happen. And so, that very lengthy, titled show was what I did. And yeah, I kind of just sat on that for a little while. It, it was really well received in the festival, and I won Best Newcomer. Woo! Wow! Good job! Which was uh, fantastic. And then, yeah, I just kind of was on the back burner for a little bit, I guess. And then I had a realization one day in the shower where a lot of good ideas come for me that the thing I most wanted to do was was take this show around the country. And so it was renamed, uh, rebranded, streamlined, improved. I I listened to some feedback I'd had from people. And yeah, jump on a bike and away you go.
2: After a good 10 months or so of planning...
0: Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely the biggest project I've ever worked on. Uh, I feel really cool about it because it was something that I had totally devised myself, and I think you, Preen, actually once said um, you're very you're a self starter, <laughs> which I Impressive. thought about I thought about <laughs> quite a lot actually on the road. It was um, yeah, there was a good way of of framing it, and something my mum had said as well was that. If you're ever struggling up a hill or or sort of feeling a bit down, just remember that the reason you're doing this is because it's something you're really passionate about. And uh, I guess on one hand you could say, well, no one made you do this. But on the other hand, it's I'm doing it because it's something I love. And so, yeah, it was months of planning, lots of spreadsheeting and emailing and stressing. Uh, But it came together incredibly well and, and was a really... Smooth trip overall.
2: Can you give us a little um, itinerary?
0: Mm. Yeah, so I set off at the start of November last year and jumped on the ferry and went to Picton, and then cycled my way down the west coast of the South Island, all the way to Stewart Island, which was awesome. Huge parts of the country I'd never been to. Uh, I was delayed a little while on Stewart Island by some rough weather. I couldn't get back on the ferry, so I had to cancel a couple of shows in Southland, unfortunately. Uh, but eventually, got back up, uh, came up through uh, Otago and Mackenzie Country, through Canterbury, and then I jumped on a bus after that because the roads are in a, a shocking state, sort of north of Christchurch, with the earthquake. And so that was about a month and a half around the South Island. And then I had three weeks off in Wellington to recover and recharge and hang out with people I care about. And then the middle of January, I started up sort of along the west coast of the North Island, up through the Manawatu, around the Taranaki, all the way up eventually to Kaitaia, and then back down. So it was about a a month getting up, and then a month back down through Coromandel, Bay of Plenty, Hawke's Bay, Huayarapa, Wellington
2: a couple of Sundays ago. And so you must have seen parts of the country that many of us haven't seen or slowed down in.
0: Yeah yeah I guess I cruised along at 14 kilometers an hour which is an absolute snail compared to a car but it's great because you can see so much more you can smell your environment and hear things and it's very easy to just hop off and stop and you know, have a look at that waterfall or whatever.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Um, So I came to see your show at Nataonga over the weekend and um, when you showed all the photos on there, um, it was amazing. It kind of looked like you were going back in time when you were in some of those smaller towns, some of Mm. those town halls and all (laughs) of that. Um, And I'm wondering, did it feel like you were travelling in time a little bit in terms of the experiences you had or is it just more a visual thing?
0: Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe a great example of that was I did the show at Barrytown, which is south of Punakaiki, and they have this beautiful old hall which is maybe about 100 years old and it is an old hall. And I got to the hall really early in the day and that's where I was staying and
2: you slept in the hall?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. had a whole bunch of couches and, you know, but no other sort of facilities. So I had to... Um, have a have a shower like a like a sponge bath. Yeah. Which definitely felt like a step back in time. <laughs> and then mm. yeah, staying in this creaky old hall and
2: Were there rats? There were rats, yes, <laughs> yes. <And laughs> What?
0: When when some of the locals left they'd say, you
2: know, oh, watch out for
0: the ghosts. And <laughs> I'm like, ha, 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 ha. That's <laughs> not a real thing. Um but the scurrying sounds didn't help (laughs) with that perception.
2: (laughs) Did you manage to protect your Snickers bars from the rats? Yeah
0: Yeah, well I I planned ahead and I you know sort of like a a bit of chain just hanging from the ceiling that I was able to attach my food to yeah and just kept kept a bit of a watch as I slept.
2: So you said um, on the talk on Saturday as well that you fell in love with gorges or you (laughs) realised that you were in love with gorges on the, um, what was the particular gorge? It was
0: the Buller Gorge. The
2: Buller Gorge. Mm. Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if you can um, tell us and incorporate any of your science and love of science as you do it, what it is about gorges that makes you so happy.
0: Hmm. I guess for starters they're usually inherently quite wild that we can put a road through a gorge but it's usually just hanging on it's just an accessory to this uh river has carved out a channel between mountains and that's uh i think it's really beautiful for for starters that that idea that uh you know something like water can just plow through rock and, and work its way down And yeah, it just provides a really kind of wild uh, experience. It is usually very winding. I think almost all the gorges that I've ever been through in New Zealand, and and especially the ones I cycled, um, there's native bush all the way down to the river, you know, so below you and above you on the road. yeah.
2: So a bit of that refusing to be tamed kind of um element? Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean so the the Buller Gorge is along um State Highway Six along the west coast and that is an amazing bit of road. I it would be my favorite <laughs> state highway in the country.
2: All prospective cyclists. Yeah. Good one to go for.
0: Yeah, and it was quite quiet. Uh, so that was that was nice. It was a lot of isolation and it really felt like it. Just cruising along with kilometers in front of you. Uh, and another really memorable one was the Waiueka Gorge, which goes from Oportiki to Gisborne. And the first part of that day, for me, through to Matawai, I mean, this gorge is like 50 kilometers long. And there are signs that say, Falling rocks next 50 kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd be passed by a car maybe every 10 minutes. So, yeah, it's definitely on my own, which was nice to appreciate the the serenity of the the water and the bush and the gorge.
2: Um, You mentioned that you realised at some point along the trip (laughs) that you could just talk to yourself and say anything (laughs) and no one would notice.
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: Any memorable quotes? (laughs) 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 Or the most ridiculous things you found yourself saying? I'm always surprised with the songs that pop into your head, normally terrible radio jingles from childhood.
0: Yeah, it was funny being alone for so long. Uh, For most of the trip I was camping, and I would go away and do something and come back to the tent and find that I'd left the fly open, and I'd say... If you don't want a tent, oh, no, you don't deserve a dry tent, David. If you leave the, t- <laughs> <laughs> if you leave the fly open, you don't deserve not having bugs in your tent. If you don't zip <laughs> it
1: up, <laughs> that's negative self-talk, David. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I did learn from it at least, <laughs> and and got better at, at zipping things up. Um, maybe the most memorable. Oh, actually, <laughs> a lot of the time, because it was such a solitary endeavor, and I did. So much of the planning and, and then obviously the cycling all by myself, um, I would often arrive at a town and I'd just say, yeah, David Klein.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then the town knew. <laughs> yeah. David <laughs> Klein better. had arrived. Yeah. yeah listen up. <laughs> um, and so that some of the feedback you got on the trip was that um, people really liked the kinds of props you brought with you, which was mm. often... Pictures and things that you'd drawn, and people kind of appreciated that it wasn't all hi fi flash Mm -hmm. presentations, kind of thing. Is there, do you think there's something about this kind of show that people, I don't really know how to ask this.
0: Mm. Well, so you can answer it. Yeah, (laughs) sure. Go, David. Well, I think, like you said, yeah, people did seem to enjoy the, the the lo-fi aspect of it. It's definitely science storytelling, so it wasn't leaning on an audiovisual presentation. It was me telling a story, and I guess I've had a fairly sort of craft-based uh, my, my life. My twenties, I I did a lot of crafts. I learned to crochet. Um, Crochet unfortunately did not come into this tour.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not this (laughs) time.
0: Yeah, so when I was thinking about how I would develop the show, it it was for me mostly handmade or paper-based. I guess I really like the tactility of that. And that kind of idea as well flowed into the tour. I sort of had a little memo to myself about the whole trip, which was there is a DIY solution to every problem you'll face. And so nice. there are a couple of you know, couple of curveballs or bike issues or things that I had to fix on the fly, yeah. which which I was able to. Hmm.
1: I have a quick question about the show and yeah. how it's kind of evolved. It sounds like the journey that you've been on has become a part of what the show is about. Is that accurate?
0: uh yes and no. So. I had definitely thought about that before the tour um and this the performances changed you know night by night and and some things worked and some things didn't so it was constantly kind of being reshuffled uh the tour itself or the the journey didn't really come into the show because maybe i wasn't too sure of how it would be before i started but i was able to do like a, a show and tell over the weekend about the tour and I think that there's possibly grounds for the next project because that's a big question of of what do you you know <laughs> you just cycled around the country what are you going to do now <laughs> and yeah maybe maybe some other aspect of, of storytelling uh, I guess I have a lot of anecdotes from the road that that could become either its own thing or a newer version with with more stories about the tour itself
1: yeah can I ask about what kind of audiences you would get as well? Mm. When you're giving a presentation that's about science in a really yeah. broad sense. Yeah. Um, was it kids who came along or who would you well,
0: say? I mean, for me and as the marketing hopefully tried to get across, it, it was mostly aimed at teenagers and adults. And being an adult, it was it's definitely from my point of view of, of a grown-up who has finished school and that's it, right? You've you've done with education. There's no need to keep learning, which is not true. And that's a big part of the show is about curiosity and, and keeping asking questions throughout your life. And so hopefully a lot of teenagers got like a real big kick out of that and, and adults as well. Uh, a lot of kids did come along, I guess because when you hear about a storytelling show, you assume it's for kids. And I think the majority of them enjoyed it. Um, there were definitely some really young kids who, I mean, it's quite a wordy show, and unfortunately I think it went over their heads.
1: <laughs> they weren't prepared uh, to appreciate the vastness of the universe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: atoms and solar systems. But I guess, yeah, it was maybe a range between five years old to 80 plus. Mm. Yeah, it was good.
2: And so... um, I guess a lot of the time, science is kind of locked up in either labs or mm. academic institutions. And is this, as you've obviously loved science for yeah. a long time, mm-hmm. your whole life, mm-hmm. um, was it kind of a deliberate, let's make science fun, or more like a, I've got these stories I want to tell? Like, what kind of, how did you get yeah. there?
0: Uh, I think both. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Science could be seen as this thing that is that is other to our day-to-day lives, but I think it's really, really implicit that it's a huge part of, or it can be a really huge part of everything that we do and see. Um, even having a really simple scientific understanding of you know, something like how sound works can be really illuminating to, to the world around us. And so that was part of it. And I guess sort of coming back to the idea with the Fringe Festival was you can make a show, you can tell whatever story you want. And for me, that kind of story was uh, was about my life. <laughs> it was very self-centered. It was about my life and the things that I learned along the way. And I can't really remember, but I, but I guess at one point I decided that that was compelling enough to create a whole show about. Yeah. And people seemed to like it.
2: Yeah. Um, so would you be able to help us out here and give us maybe one of your stories from the road or one of the stories like, um, an everyday way, how we are really, how we're connected to science right now or.
0: Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things that I came up for the show was maybe just trying to understand or appreciate big numbers because, you know, you hear about millions and billions a lot or, or so often that they've almost become meaningless. And so a little part of the show that I do is I say, well, let's think about those big numbers in terms of seconds, which are a really big part of our day. We can all understand what a second is and and sort of see and feel its passage. Uh, And so in one hour, there are 3,600 seconds, which is quite a lot. And then, you know, what about something like a million? And so a million seconds is about 11 days
1: Hmm.
0: which is a pretty long time and then again because we hear about millions and billions so often we sort of think they're probably the same but a billion is so much bigger a a billion seconds is about 30 years wow which is just such a (laughs) massive jump Uh, Hmm. and so in the show i bring that up fairly early on to just try and give people a a base or a bit of an understanding about some of the really big topics that do come up later.
2: So we've probably been talking for about like (laughs) 300,000 seconds. I don't know. I'm guessing. (laughs) It's not my strong suit. (laughs) No, I'm not sure what the time is.
1: Yeah. We'll have to review numbers and seconds later on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um,
2: but we are kind of running towards the end of our time sure. w- with you, David, I think. Um, there's something else going on.
0: That's right. So Tonight, even. I, I was very kindly given a lot of uh, leave without pay from my job, which is at Matong Sound and Vision,
2: yes. uh, formerly
0: the Film Archive. And last year, I was one of the co-directors of a brand new festival, the New Zealand Bicycle Film Festival. And... Uh, myself and, and Mark Sweeney, one of my colleagues, got that up and running. We sort of th- thought or identified that there was enough of uh, interest in cycling around Wellington that we could make a whole film festival about it. And it was a real a real hoot, we had a good time and it's back and starting tonight is the opening.
2: Uh, what happens for the opening?
0: There are some speeches, we've got the Mayor, Justin Lester to, to open. Uh, myself and some colleagues will be singing a short waiata.
2: Oh, what are you singing?
0: uh, Te (laughs) Aroha.
2: Classic.
1: (laughs)
0: Yeah. And then, yeah, there's a a screening, just just quite a short one. Uh, It's called A Cinematic Century of Cycling, which is the archival compilation that we've developed from things that are held in the former film archives vaults. And so it goes from the 29th of March to the 8th of April.
2: Okay, so a couple of weeks in which to see some awesome films about cycling. Well, are they about cycling or are they cycling adjacent?
0: uh, A a bit of a mixture, yeah. So we have uh, The Bicycle Thief, the Italian classic, which involves bicycles, but it's also, I think, like neorealist and highly, highly acclaimed. Uh, there's a really great compilation called the Big Big Bike Film Night, which is a lot of shorts about all different aspects of cycling. And coming up on Thursday, we have uh, a, an Italian documentary called Contramano, which is about some bicycle shops in Turin, which is sort of transitioning from being very car-centric to uh, different modes of transport that are more active. And following that screening, I will be chairing a panel about. The transformative abilities of bicycles in cities, lives, and the environment.
2: Awesome. Who's on your panel? Uh,
0: Some of your listeners may know Laurie Foon.
2: Yes,
1: Laurie, friend of the podcast.
0: Uh, Paul McArdle from Bikes and Schools. Uh, Dr. Caroline Shaw from Otago University, who did this really fantastic baseline study of uh, active transport in the country. And... Ashley Peters from Wellington Off-Road uh, <laughs> from, from Word, which uh, encourages kids to get involved in mountain biking. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it.
2: Yes. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming along, David. And um, our next song to lead us out is um, The Moon, which I understand is one of your favourite <laughs> Scientific phenomenons um, by a band called Hex. And um, can we just dedicate this one to the lovely Micheline who loaned her partner out on her birthday? Mm. Happy
0: birthday.